Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone, and happy early Thanksgiving. This is the Awards Radar podcast coming to you a day early, so we're just skirting all the rules. Uh, but we're so excited to talk about various things that you will discover as we go forward on this. Very bad introduction to a very good episode, I hope. Uh, in any event, I am joined once again by Miles, the new uh, wedded Miles, so his life is over. How's it going? Hey, it, my life may be over, but it feels like it's just getting started, and I'm getting used to wearing this wedding ring now. <laughs> Does uh, Do you guys do Wonder Twin powers yet, or how's that work? Uh, we've done it a few times, yeah. Mainly it's just been All a lot right, of Borat impressions, but it feels Fair right enough. for us. And then multiple people in your wedding party slash officiating situation went with the Princess Bride. Oh my god, like way more than we expected. Yeah. At a certain point, I was like, uh-oh, they're, they're almost ran the joke into the ground, it's getting close. It's still funny, but maybe don't do it anymore. But still, very nice time at Loyal. Um, and Steve is here. Hello, I'm here. I didn't get married and all those fun things. Sorry. No, he got married just yeah. a significant amount of time ago. Yes. Unless you had a weekend I was not aware of. In a galaxy far, far away. Mm, there you go. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the awards movies that I have seen over the last week or so. Because we're at, this, at, at the time of this recording, there are four potential movies that could get nominations that I have not seen. Um, and no one's seen them. That is uh, West Side Story, which I will be seeing a few days after you hear this. Nightmare Alley, two days after that. And then the two sort of question marks, which are uh, The Matrix Resurrections and Spider-Man No Way Home from the fact that there's a lot of Spider-Men in that movie and they won't say it. So we'll get there. But we'll do all the other movies today. But let's begin with Ryan McDermott's Filmaholic Face-Off because it will lead us into a topic. He is doing Will Smith Filmaholic Face-Off. Bet you can't guess where that's going to lead to. Ah, uh, Men in Black 4. Yeah. Oh, they God, already did never. Men in Black 4. It was awful. Yeah. I know it's going to lead to that one. Yeah. Oh. All right. Bad Boys or Independence Day? I, I actually feel like someone zapped my brain and we I forgot about that one, but hey, it happened. I wish people, more people did. <laughs> In the meantime, Bad Boys or Independence Day? Um, so the first Bad Boys is actually probably my least favorite of the trilogy. Uh, it's fine, but the second two are a bit more out there and interesting uh independence day is a holiday classic and is obviously one of the major films that put will smith on the map so no question uh, that's the one for me all right mm, bad boys is okay um uh, independence day i actually didn't care for before but it's uh my my my, my feelings on it have changed it's got a more of like a you know kind of a nostalgic feel now and mm. I overlook the the flaws and don't I'm not so critical about a dog that should have should have been turned to ash and things like that. And I just enjoy the ride. And it's a fun ride. So I will go Independence Day. Same. I think objectively it's a bad movie, but subjectively it's a movie that was when I watched it as a child, one of my favorite things at the time. So you, you kind of have to reconcile that quick addendum. Men in Black 3 or Independence Day 2? Oh God! Um, oh, well, or death. Will Smith's not in Independence Day <laughs> too, but uh, which is why it's an addendum, not an actual thing. Sure. Oh, you know what? Let's make it better than Men in Black Four, Independence Day Two, the ones he's not in. 
Oh, well, okay. If it was Men in Black 3, I would say that one easily because it's not that bad. It's not that good. No, it's but it's fine. it's totally fine. Independence Day 2 is fucking atrocious. Uh, yep. Men in Black 4 is like bad, but more forgettably bad. So I guess that one by a hair. I think that's the right answer. Save you agree? Yeah, I agree. Men in Black 4 is just a just a, 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 a cash grab and it doesn't it's not as insulting to the original property as the as Independence Day 2 which was just a terrible and no, very just, tough to even get through honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, Independence Day 2 is awful. Men in Black 4 is just devoid of an idea beyond yeah. what if more Men in Black. <laughs> exactly. Though it's it's only insulting in the sense of you knew that uh, Men in Black Jump Street whatever the hell they were going to call it, was on the table. Listen, that would have that, that would have been more interesting. That would have been yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Was it 23 MIB or whatever they were going to call it? Yep. Yep. Ali or The Pursuit of Happiness? Um, Both very good, both among his best performances. Uh, I'll give the slight edge to The Pursuit of Happiness because that's my favorite performance of his. I'm going to go Ali. I, I don't know. I find Pursuit of Happiness a little too... I don't know, schmaltzy. Yeah. I mean, he's slightly better, I think, in The Pursuit of Happiness because he's not doing the impression. Like, he's great in Ollie, but he is doing an impression at the same time as a performance, which is, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's better than, like, Jamie Foxx just doing an impression. Yeah. Uh, whereas, I would argue, when we talk about being the Ricardos later, they're, those, that cast is just doing performance. They're not trying to do impression at all. And, that's a whole thing we'll talk about in a minute. Here, I think Ali is the better movie, though. Pursuit of Happiness, if you removed him, is almost a Hallmark movie. Yeah. Like, it's competently made. There's nothing wrong with it. It hits you in the right spots. But it, it's not doing anything beyond being a vehicle for him. No, because Ali, I think, is just... It's a it's an interesting... It's a Michael Mann movie. Like, it's, it's, it's ambitious. I don't think it fully sticks it in that... It wanders more than I think you want it to, but it, it, there's a lot more, I think, to chew on there, even if you're you're sometimes distracted by, by him. Ali delivered what I expected it to deliver, and Pursuit of Happiness came in under, a little underwhelming. I was like, like you said, kind of a Hallmark movie type. Uh, well yeah. done. It's just never, just, I don't know, just it never landed properly. Yeah, fair. Um, Men in Black 2 or Bad Boys 2? Um... So I'm I'm a bit of a defender of the whole Men in Black trilogy. Obviously, none of them are as good as the first one, but I I, I have a bit of a soft spot for Men in Black too. Uh, that said, Bad Boys Two is my favorite of that trilogy, uh, just because I love the sheer rampant over the topness of it. Um, so hmm. I'm going to say Bad Boys Two. Quickly, do you remember how well do you remember Bad uh, Men in Black Two? Uh, reasonably well. I don't remember if it's in the movie or a deleted scene, but one of the aliens is a ball chinian. Yeah, no, that's in the movie. Okay, good. That that's my favorite part of Men in Black too, the Bolchinian. Yeah, he like pulls I'm down the scarf right. and he's just got, he's got the same special effect that Hugh Jackman had in uh, movie forty three. Yep, it might even be the same scrotum. Yep, just that Hollywood Saves scrotum money. that they Steve? reuse every now and then. Listen, they they got one. It works. It's got a sad card. No, no, no one liked that one. You didn't like that the scrotum had a SAG card? Oh, I, I didn't hear oh, it, uh, but it's now a I did. I don't think I did like yeah. it. <laughs> on the on the drive home, you guys are going to like it. All right. So, Men, Men in Black, the series, I think, had diminishing returns. 
where mm-hmm. bad boys uh like I, I agree i think it i think two is probably the best but at least it's a little bit better than the original so let's go bad boys bad boys 2 mm-hmm. i'll go yeah i'll go men in black 2 they're both forgettable they both do what you expect them to do they're both bigger than the last one bad boys 2 might be better than the first bad boys but um yeah i was just i'm, I'm in the, i was into the world of men in black before it got like caught up in not being good. Like I even think Men in Black Three is is fine because isn't because Josh Brolin is doing a pitch perfect Tommy Lee Jones. Well, that kind of makes that movie in a lot of ways is just Brolin doing Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, no, it's it's you you watch that movie. I think that movie oddly works better if you're like a bigger film fan than if you're just kind of like I go to movies for fun because you're just watching going, God, he could be he could play Tommy Lee Jones like. This is an experiment. Like I, I'm now. I'm like. I wonder what he would do in the fugitive. You just start casting him. Uh, next up, I Robot or I Am Legend. Um, I've always had a soft spot for I Robot. I know it's fucking stupid, and I know it's nothing like the source material and the converses and whatever. But like, as like a dumb, fun Will Smith sci-fi action movie, I think it is exactly what it needs to be, and I think it works. Alan Tudyk is great in it. Um, I Am Legend is fine it's got a decent first half and a really sluggish second half and it's also got some absolutely atrocious um zombie monster cgi and also the theatrical ending is so much fucking worse than the original ending so uh, i would go i robot agreed um also both movies that just incessantly play on like fx yeah or TNT fx, or FX has the movies but they only play two of them <laughs> They're the movies that your your dad would watch. Everyone's dad's like, "Hey, I just my, watched my I dad, Robot." You my dad this? does watch both of these movies every time I talk to my dad. Um, so I would say I Robot's fine. Uh, I am Legend. I read the book, and I was very disappointed. So I'll go with uh, I Robot. Neither they're both great films. Yeah, they're both wildly mediocre. Yeah. Um, I'll switch it up and go I Am Legend only because that first act is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes the rest of the movie even worse by comparison because there's a good movie that just turns into a bad movie. But I, I feel like I Robot, is, I Robot is always just kind of fine. And in these two things I'm indifferent to, I'll, I'll, I'll let the bigger swing have a win. Um, next up, focus or concussion? Talk about very small swings. Um... Concussion is a movie I barely remember except for him, and even then I don't think it's that good of a performance compared to some of his others. Uh, Focus is like, you know, it's it's light as air, and it's, you know, a simple little heist-con kind of movie, but I think it works. Uh, I think he and Margot Robbie have really good chemistry in it. Um, yeah, She has excellent chemistry with her bikini Boy, do- in that movie. Does she ever. Um, but yeah. yeah, I would go with Focus. Hmm. Steve? Um, I don't think I've seen either of these, honestly. So They're not memorable. But yeah. That's fair. Um, I don't I'll go concussion ever so slightly. Um, he's fine. He the, the accent that he's doing is hurting him, I think. Because he, he's... And I don't know if this is just a him thing or maybe everyone who does this. Like, he looks like he's concentrating too much when he does it, if that makes sense. Miles, you watched it, so you might... Yeah, he's he's trying too hard. The accent kind of turns it into a meme rather than just letting you get into the yeah. performance. 
because it should it should work more than it does. Like the little guy going up against the Titan, the Titan happens to be the NFL. Yeah, like I, it should I, work I wish better. either it was a different actor who could naturally do that accent or it was him and he just didn't do it because it just it, it, it's distracting no matter which way you look at it. And I'll say this. I mean, I, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to King Richard in a moment, but he's doing an accent in that one that I think is significantly less distracting. Yes. So, yeah, concussion, I think the issue you would have had is if he doesn't do the accent, then you're erasing the man's culture. And that's not great. Um, if you do the accent, you're he's clearly struggling a little bit with it. I think the answer was you needed a better filmmaker than Peter Landsman. <laughs> that would have done a lot there. That's fair. It needed a it needed more of a take. But I'll, I'll give it the ever so slight edge because I found it to be an interesting movie, just not especially well done. Um, focus is fine, but I couldn't tell you anything that happens in it. Next up. Suicide Squad or Bright, which I just remember that Will Smith is in Bright. I just remember that Bright is a movie. <laughs> yeah, um, Bright 2 still like to come, I think, right? Maybe, uh, I think. I don't know. They've been talking about it, but the fact that Max Landis is kind of done with and like nobody is clamoring for it, like I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that one just like, maybe they'll do like an animated spinoff in a few years or something and just give it a slightly different name. Could be. Um, Writer. These are both very, very bad movies, but to Suicide Squad's credit, I have actually finished it and even rewatched it out of morbid mm-hmm. curiosity. I never got more than halfway through Bright, so I think it has to be Suicide Squad by default. Also, I think Smith is giving a very good sort of movie star turn in it. Margot Robbie, again, very good. So it sucks, but like, there's more to it. Bright has a great idea that they absolutely squander. Neither are very good. I recall both uh, checking my watch and waiting for it to end. Um, but Suicide Squad, it, it, it survives on things beyond Will Smith. I'll, I'll go Suicide Squad. But barely. You're, you're, yeah, you're all right. I have no take. I'll say Bright just to mix it up because I can't let Suicide Squad sweep anything. Hey, one like, best It's sound, just right? too bad to do it. Oh, no, or, uh, uh, make yeah, no, it is. Make, make up. Yeah, yeah it, it is an Academy Award-winning film. Ugh. Um... <laughs> Yeah, bright, excellent premise, poor execution, Suicide Squad, not a actual movie. Until they made another one that was a movie. But, you know, who's to say? That that first one could have been better. Uh, there was no saving these two movies, After Earth or Collateral Beauty. <laughs> oh. oh, man. These these might two, be among argu- his two worst. I was about to say, arguably his two worst decisions. Ryan keeping uh, not on top of his game today. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it's 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 Will Smith not on top of his game. Yeah. No, Ryan's on top of his game. Will Smith is not. Yeah. 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 No. Well, yeah. It's a real. Re- it's a real Sophie's choice where you want to burn both the babies. Um, when you remember, he turned down the Matrix. He turned down Django Unchained. Said yes and developed After Earth and Collateral Oof. Beauty. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, After Earth sucks, and it's like boring and unmemorable, even by bad. M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> standards, which is saying something. I think Collateral Beauty is like one of the most poorly conceived movies ever made, but it's... <laughs> what if gaslighting, but good? But it's like kind of morbidly fascinating in the same way that Cats is, where it's like, this is an absolute train wreck. How did any of the talented people involved think this was going to work? But it's like a slow motion car wreck where you kind of can't take your eyes off of just how stupid it becomes. Um, After Earth is just boring. So even though I don't like either movie, I'll give the edge to Collateral Beauty. 
fair. Huh. After Earth, like you said, very... Frequent. That was the right sound. <laughs> that, that came straight from the heart. After Earth is completely f- forgettable. Collateral Beauty is not. I dislike both. But because After Earth is forgettable, uh, it gets a star. It gets the extra the bonus star because I don't have to remember how much I disliked it. So After Earth. If that... <laughs> uh, yeah, Collateral Beauty by a hair. They're both awful. But Miles is right. Where you're like, like at a certain point you're like, what, what the fuck is happening in this movie? Whereas After Earth, you know exactly what's happening and you do not care, in the slightest, and it is uh, boring and bad. Uh, yeah, but both. So uh, you I mean, like, you prefer movies. to be unentertained and engaged, and I prefer to be unentertained and disengaged. So. Yeah, yeah, I like, no, I like I, how I we can... basically made the exact same argument, but still landed on the opposite side of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like After Earth, I would fall asleep or turn off. Collateral Beauty, I would be like, like to my girlfriend, like you gotta fucking see what this movie's doing. Like in the same way that I would rather watch like the Human Centipede movies than like a, I'm trying like what's a. You want to say Halloween too, but like, what's a um, Halloween Kills? But like, what's a like thoroughly boring horror movie? Hmm. Just poorly conceived. Like, I can't think of one off the top of my head. But you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather watch the like bad one that is like taking a huge swing and missing. Yeah. Than like, you know, like the ruins. Sure. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Just like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, sure, you're you're competent, but to what end? Um, speaking of that sort of movie, Aladdin or Gemini Man. um aladdin's not great but it's got some fun moments i actually really like the middle act where it's just arabian hitch and it's just like him trying to get aladdin laid yeah the least the less it is aladdin the better that movie yeah there's like a a section in the middle that's the only part that's new stuff and that's kind of the best part of the movie uh the first act uh, and the third act are like thoroughly atrocious and jafar doesn't turn into a big snake at the end which is a huge miscalculation Exactly, Jasmine's buddy, Jasmine's friend is great. Yeah, there's some like, stuff she's in like it. An, she's also like one of the horniest uh, Disney characters in a while. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, um, no, I'm, again, take a swing. Gemini Man is like, maybe it could have worked, but like, there's nothing interesting about it. Not even, even the gimmick of like, old Will Smith versus young Will Smith doesn't really work. It's just... It's one of those movies that Ang Lee was clearly still trying to make the, what is it, 60 frames, 40 frames, whatever it is. Uh, was it 120? It was something. But yeah, he's still, it's, it's the same gimmick he did for uh, Billy Lynn, and like he's still trying to make that work, and it just doesn't work, and nobody yep. wants it. And So yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Aladdin. I, uh, you guys remember Too Many Cooks? Of course. I just want to like, anytime someone talks about recent Ang Lee movies, just have in the background playing... Too many frames, too many frames. Yeah, 120 frames per second. Ugh. Yeah, Steve? Uh, yeah, the de-aging of Will Smith, to me, was off-putting enough. It, to me, you're always watching computer animation. What's the other film? <laughs> totally blanking. Aladdin, Aladdin, which, oh, also Aladdin. Has a, Aladdin. which also has a digital Will Smith. Yeah, but that's a different... It's, it's, it's you know, as a genie, so... I can, no, I, can I, hand- I agree. I think it's far less off-putting. I can the reality that. of the genie is very important to Steve. I need to believe the genie. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Aladdin. Uh, Gemini Man is, one, is a film that you find. And you're like, oh my gosh, five dollars, and you're like, I should 
I should buy it. Oh wait, no, I shouldn't. This is garbage. Yeah. Aladdin, I can it's, I can still show to my kids. They'll still enjoy. It. There's there's plenty there. There's still the music, but Gemini Man is just, eh. You're not you're not wrong. Um, I'll go Aladdin. They're both fine. They're both forgettable. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's talk quickly about King Richard. We've talked about it before. I um, Miles has seen it, so I want him to give his thoughts at the same time that I will mention that we're doing this on Sunday night after the uh, the box office has come in and um, I think I had hinted about this probably in one of my arguments with Brian that would make probably is what happened where I said that I thought it was going to underperform and it uh, sure as shit has um, I will also say I don't think it matters that that much in the grand scheme of things but I'm going to come back to that in a second I want uh, Miles to tee up his thoughts and then we'll, we'll turn to Will Smith the Oscar nominee uh, yeah, so I thought it was good. Not great, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, my original concern about it, you know, sight unseen, and even after seeing the first trailer, was that it's a movie about the Williams sisters, but it's about their dad, and clearly the more interesting story is about them. And having seen the movie, I still feel that way. The best part of the movie is in the back part where it does focus on Venus especially. And I get the sense from that actress that she could have absolutely carried her own movie. And like, if the dad is more of like a colorful supporting character, I actually think that dynamic would have worked a lot better. Um, But that's not the movie we got. For the movie we got, I think Will Smith is good in it. If he wins, it's not the worst performance ever, but it's definitely not one of my favorites of his. Um, I think, honestly, Anjanou Ellis and uh, John Bernthal do way more to stand out. Uh, I would love to see both of them get nominated. Um, it's, you know, it's fairly conventional. I think, it again, I think Richard Williams is a colorful character, so I understand the urge to do something about him, but he, I don't think he's quite interesting enough to be the focal point of the movie when you've got, you know, these two tennis stars who are, like, very, very interesting and compelling in their own right, and the brief parts that do focus on them are the best in the movie sure yeah no i I think same as i said in my review i think it's very good i think he's very good i think the movie's fine it's a sports movie follows a lot of the cliches and and setup of a sports movie i i understand why the williams sisters are are totally fine with this take but that doesn't mean that you don't still want to see their movie um so like i don't think it's a I, th- I think you could have done. I think you could have done this exact same cast, this exact same setup, and just changed the focus and tweaked the script a little bit, and it would have been great as opposed to just oh, yeah. good. Well, the difference is also then Will Smith is winning Best Supporting Actor, and, and Will Smith doesn't play that game. Maybe, but like I think if it was like like the meaty supporting role as opposed to like the focus, I think I think less would be more with that character. Yeah, I think the fact that you I, spend I, so much time with him. It leads to diminishing returns a little bit. I agree. That's the main issue I have with it is it's about 20 minutes too long. Yeah. And there's there's a the whole sort of setup for the third act where he's just preventing them from doing anything. A little bit of that goes a long way. Because you... you when it feels a little scenes. bit contrived, a little bit arbitrary, like... It's just to set up... It's to set up her big scene where she basically tells him to, like, back up and let, her, let, her, let his kids do their thing. Which is a great movie scene but just so clearly is not what happened in real life. Like the movie's doing an okay job of not feeling especially Hollywood. And then there's the Hollywood like suffering wife telling the husband to get his act together. Yeah. Which I and, like, like that great, scene. I think, I think she oh, will get her nominated. nominated for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I agree that it it's a very movie out. scene. Yeah. It's it, it. Yeah. So, um, 
he's obviously the front runner for best actor. I don't think the tepid box office changes anything. I will be interesting. It will be, I'll be interested to hear if the HBO Max uh, numbers come in at all. They don't usually say much about it. But what I've heard, and I don't remember where I've heard this, so you have to forgive me, but I don't believe it's a rumor, is that the movies that have performed well on in theaters, you know, the, the Dunes of the World and um, a couple of their releases have played well, also do well on HBO Max. And the things that have, have uh, I'm not going to say tanked, but like underperformed, you know, the, the In the Heights is potentially the King Richards. They've also seen a, uh, and also, I'm sorry, um, Suicide Squad also definitely falls into that, unfortunately. They've not seen boosted numbers on HBO Max. So the no one, there hasn't been an example yet of, I'm going to watch it at home, I'm not going to go see it. The things that aren't doing as well, just for whatever reason, the fact that they're on HBO Max has been an odd turnoff. So I don't know what that means yet. I don't think it matters for this movie. I think it hurts it more as a Best Picture winner, which I don't think it realistically is anyway. I think people are a little caught up in that. But in terms of Will Smith... Uh, you know, the the Smith nomination slash win, Ellis's nomination, the film slipping in the picture. I think all of those are still on the table. In the same way that, you know, how you want to read the Belfast and Spencer box office. And I'll tee up Miles in a second because he, he has seen Belfast. Um, Spencer opened a little bigger than I think, not in terms of money, but in terms of theaters. It opened a little wider than I think people were expecting. And it did okay. And it's, you know, it's it's up to, I think, like $6 million now, which, I mean, that's fine for that movie. Because it's not competing to win Best Picture. It's hoping to get in as, like, one of the art film nominees. It does nothing to hurt um, Kristen Stewart as a, as a nominee. Because if it did, then you would have to say that Will Smith is hurt also. So I don't, I don't know how you're going to make the case for one and not the other. So I do think it, it's kind of just status quo. It's just, you know, they're not going to be box office smashes that fuel people to go to the go to watch the oscars that's you know much more going to be the world of dune which next week i think is going to cross 100 million at the box office you know you got to hope for maybe west side story is a huge whatever the case may be but in terms of box office they're not gonna not gonna be doing it belfast for example is up to i think like three million it's playing like a small indie film but is also a crowd pleaser to those who have seen it so that doesn't negate the crowd pleaser status. So, uh, speaking of Belfast, Miles, were you a crowd who was pleased? Uh, I was, yeah. So uh, I actually went to see it with a couple of my family members before they flew back out um, after the wedding, and uh, yeah, we all very much enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't say it was my favorite film of the year, but I I didn't see anything in it that would make me disagree with it as the best picture front runner. Um, honestly, the part that stood out the most to me and. Maybe it's not getting talked about as much because there are so many black and white films that are standing out this year, but the cinematography in particular I thought was just gorgeous. Um, And honestly, I found myself just sort of drinking in the imagery um, at at times when the the plot was sort of, you know, taking a break. Um, I could see all four of the major actors getting nominated. Not so much the kid because, you know, it's harder for younger actors to really break out in that way. But, you know... Sharon Hines, Judy Dench, uh, Ketrana Balfi, especially Jamie Dornan. I think I could see a scenario where all four of them get in um, or any combination of the four uh, seems likely to me. I think, uh, you know, picture and director, sure things, screenplay probably as well. Um, and 
probably a decent amount of uh, technicals. Um, it was funnier than I was expecting. It was darker and more brutal than I was expecting. Kind of like a less wacky Jojo Rabbit in some regards. Um, yeah. But no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think it's in like my top five or just outside uh, for the year so far. Uh, and yeah, I think all the Oscar hype is uh, well earned. It's probably... Yeah, it's, it's in... Go ahead. Or I was just going to say, it's probably uh, Kenneth Branagh's best film as a director in quite a long time. I'd agree. I would have just stopped the best film as a director. It, it, honestly, it very well could be. It's the kind of thing where yeah. after we've you know taken a while to sort of assess and if we look back at sort of you know his overall yeah. filmography, it would be hard to not see this one at bare minimum in the top two or three. I, it's my number eight of the year. Of your, your list? In my top ten is in my number eight. Yeah. Not for picture, just in personal top ten. Okay. It's it's I, I don't have my top ten yet. I still have too many holes, but um it's it's definitely in there right now, and I think it'll stay there. I did have a chance to interview the editor. Uh, I'm probably gonna mess up her name, and I'll re-record if I do. But uh, Una Ne Dongali, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, sure. And it was a fabulous, it really in- incredible conversation, and she was uh, she was delightful, but also so insightful about what went into the film and the use of you know the, the layers of sound the the sound beds they had of having the trains in there and to really recapture not just what you see on screen but the feel of Belfast through uh, this character's memories and when when the interview does play make sure you give it a listen because it, it I, I told her a couple times throughout I'm like I cannot wait to watch this again because what you know you conveyed here it really makes me appreciate uh, the film more and I can't wait to like explore it and just focus on, mm. on her editing decisions but overall I agree I, I think the cinematography cinematography was fantastic and the cast the ensemble top to bottom is uh, just yeah. stellar Miles you'll be you'll be proud so I, I saw it for a second time in Florida before his wedding and I took my girlfriend Christy and she loved it and I when I was telling her because we saw Spencer and Belfast. She wanted to see those too, so I took them both in a second time. Uh, I read her one of the negative reviews, and they were like, the cameras randomly peer up behind furniture, and it's possible more drones were used than Obama. And she was like, but that's my favorite part of the movie, is like that the camera's kind of like just like a family member peering around. So you'd be proud. She agreed with you, and she thought a film critic was wrong. So there you go. You have, Which, you have trained her well. <laughs> exactly. Now wait, bonus round. Did Armin White like Belfast? Uh, yes. I'm going to say no. I'm saying yes. Branagh's shallow regard of Irish history cheapens its art heritage, first by misappropriating Van Morrison, he would feel like Van Morrison to be a hero, creator of the Transcendent Astral Weeks, among other pi- Irish pop landmarks. His issue with the movie is that it does Van Morrison dirty somehow. Sounds like a yes. Sounds yes. like a classic <laughs> Armin White take. <laughs> yes. So, I agree with Miles' um, take, obviously, my reviews on the site. Um, Balfoy interview coming soon to the site, and potentially more. Um, we can quickly talk about the uh, more popcorn-y ones. Um, first, I, actually, I know, I think, what you thought of Eternals, because I sat with your brothers at the wedding, and they were eager to be befuddled by that movie. <laughs> um, and uh, first, But first up, quickly, what did you think of Ghostbusters, which kind of killed it at the box office this weekend? Mm. Uh, so Ghostbusters Afterlife is a film that I've made no secret about the fact that I'm 
had no interest in it for most of the year. Um, I did discover your wife wanted to see it badly, though. Yes. So, and I did, you know, I I went in it. I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt. The reviews have been started positive, but ended in a more mixed place. But I wanted to, you know, go in and, you know, try and watch it on its own merits. And because my wife really did want to watch it, uh, we both hated it. All right. Absolutely hated it. All right, moving on. (laughs) No, I'm going to say my piece. I'm going to say my piece. This movie is everything that is wrong with modern reboot quills. It's exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is the Stranger Force Awakens things. Just replacing Star Wars stuff with Ghostbusters stuff to the point where it even sounds like they're playing the Star Wars theme when famous Ghostbusters things or characters show up. It's it's a mess, and I did not care for any element of it. All right. Uh, Steve and I have already talked about it, so we don't have to go. Yeah. Too much back and forth. Well, if we uh, if Ryan's on next week or something like that, he has a take. We're happy to do that again. But it's whatever. It's not meant to do anything besides entertain, and whether it does or not, there you go. I, um, yeah, I, Eternals, I agree with Joe. I, I I'm sorry, yeah, but like I, I liked it with you and your wife. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I liked it. Um, we were gonna go see it this weekend, but like Thanksgiving stuff is starting to same here creep in. But we will we will see. I'm her her birthday is next week, and she wants to go to a movie. So again, training her well. But um, I think she wants to see licorice pizza, so which we'll talk about in a moment. But um, quickly give us Eternals, because I think we're sort of beyond that conversation a little bit. But I'm curious what you thought. Yeah, um, Eternals, um, I think I'm probably somewhere in between you guys. Um, I don't think it's the worst movie in the MCU, but I do think it's the most frustrating. Um, Very much so. It's one of those movies where you can definitely see all the potential is there for there to be something great or at least something interesting Uh, but just time and time again it misses those opportunities it doesn't feel like something where like they fucked with Chloe Zhao in the editing or anything I think she absolutely made the movie she wanted to it's just that her style and the MCU house style and certain elements that whether it be structurally or sort of thematically that have to go in there they just don't feel like they're a compelling match because like there are more auteur style directors like Taika Waititi and James Gunn who've done very well within the MCU framework so it is possible to work within that and still retain a creator's voice but here there are flashes of Chloe Zhao in it and you know I very much get the impression that you know she did it the way she wanted to but it just doesn't Structurally, it's all over the place. Tonally, it's all over the place. Um, the action isn't especially interesting. I think, Steve, you made the point that there's just way too many characters and it would have worked better as a series, which I 100% agree with. Yeah. Um, Maybe we both talked about that. Yeah, like I'm like, like this was built to be a Disney Plus series. Yeah. yeah, like if you did like a 12-episode series where like the first 10 episodes each focus on one of the characters and then you bring them all together exactly. in the last two or something like mm-hmm. that, I think you... Because each character... You know, the actors are all doing the best they can. Some of them really stand out. um, And each one of them has interesting, complex stuff going on. But because you're hopscotching between them, like, you don't really get to fully understand and appreciate the overall cast until well over halfway into the movie. Um, There's a villain that you could cut out of the movie entirely and shave about 30 minutes and you wouldn't lose anything. Um, it's about it's way too long for what it is. So it's it's kind of a rock and a hard place. They either needed to expand it out into a series or they needed to cut the roster in half and just focus on the interesting characters. Yeah. I have an uh, idea. God could you have I, I think honestly, you could probably still do a series and do it like a prequel 
And then you can watch the film and if, with its flaws and all, but know more about these characters going into it and maybe you have a sure. better time. But it's you still need to establish who they are. And there's give me a line about who, you know, about this great, you know, uh, inner conflict about how they feel about humanity or whatever, whatever it is that they're dealing with. You can't just give me a line and then say, hey, now care about them. And that's where I think it really yeah. failed. Totally. Um, here. So let's move on. Because we'll, we've we've hit Eternals several yeah. times, but Sorry, listen, I'm sure we're gonna we may we may hit it again once we see Spider-Man. Because God knows how that's gonna tie in. Um, Kayflee two hundred eight has two questions for us. One will lead us into our next film, but the first one is another face-off. We'll do it quickly. It's sports biopics. So quickly, we can start King Richard uh, or Borg Borg versus McEnroe uh, tennis movies. Uh, I haven't seen Borg versus McEnroe. I, I'm sure you're going to hear fine. that a lot for this face-off. So King Richard yeah. by default. I've only seen half of King Richard. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with King Richard. I'm going to go with King Richard as well. Borg versus McEnroe is fine. Yeah. Ali versus the Hurricane. Uh, I like the Hurricane a lot. I'll go with that. Same. The Hurricane. Uh, yeah. Sure. Um, they're both good i wish they were both a little better uh 42 versus moneyball uh moneyball it's my favorite movie about baseball uh yeah moneyball as well it's it's yeah moneyball is a damn near perfect movie 42 actually um has someone hit a walk-off home run in the top of the ninth inning um it's a good movie it's got a lot of inaccuracies though uh rush or ford versus ferrari oh that's a tough one i like both of those um I'll give the slight edge to Ford v. Ferrari because I think there's some more interesting stuff going on with the performances, whereas Rush, Daniel Brühl really steals the show, but everyone else is just fine. I'll go Ford versus Ferrari as well. I'm going to follow follow the leader on this one right to the finish line. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a sweep. Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, Friday Night Lights or Remember the Titans? I haven't seen either, so I abstain. Wait a second. Those aren't the same movie? They basically. Oh wait. Okay. No, I remember. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go uh, Friday Night Light. No, I, I, I remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. That's it's more it's true drama. The other one had elements of like a, I would say comedy, but it's it's for a different audience. I think remember yeah, the Friday Night Lights is way more serious than Remember the Titans. Maybe I'm getting it backwards. Wait, what? Friday Night Lights is the Peter Berg one with. Um, Billy Bob Thornton. Remember the Titans is the Denzel Washington Disney movie. Ooh. Alright. <laughs> I don't remember them enough. I'd have to go take a look back. Just pick one. Right, like, maybe I Titans. haven't seen either of these movies. Yeah. yeah. Well it's well they're it's from two thousand, Remember the Titans, so that's probably the last time I've seen it. Yeah. Remember the Titans is a very early Ryan Gosling performance, and it's Denzel as the coach. Friday Night Lights spun off into the T V show, but was Almost a docudrama. I'm checking them out right now. I will edit this down. Isn't Friday Night Lights the one where they had the whipped cream and all that? No. What is that? That's Varsity Blues. Oh, okay. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. I don't remember uh, either all that well. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to stick with uh, Remember the Titans. I'll go Friday Night Lights. It's it's solid. They're both fine. Uh, uh, Miracle or I Tanya? 
Uh, I, Tanya, it's brilliant. Miracle is solid and Kurt Russell's good in it, but I, I Tanya is more memorable. Uh, Miracle, it was okay. Uh, I, I, I honestly just prefer watching the clip of the actual game and the, you know, and, and mm. uh, the announcer going nuts. And the uh, I, Tanya is one of my favorite films of the decade, so I, Tanya. I love Miracle. But I also love Itania, so I'm going with Itania. But Miracle is so underrated. Miracle is also a great double feature with Warrior, because oh, goddamn well, does G- Gavin, Gavin O'Connor, O'Connor yeah. do a good sports movie. I may have to go back and, and rewatch it. triple feature with The Way Back, which I believe I'm showing Christy later tonight. Um, I want to show her that, and we're doing our um, PTA viewings for when she sees Licorice Pizza. So more on that <laughs> later. Um, but this was actually the, the best face-off of the group, Miracle or Itania for me. Because... Um, Guess what's coming? All right. So next up, we have Bleed for this or Cinderella Man. What's Bleed for this? It's the Miles Teller boxing movie where he's um, gets almost paralyzed and has to come back and he fights again. Oh, yeah. I never saw that, <laughs> but I really like Cinderella Man, so I'll go with that. Yeah, I I did see it. It's okay, uh, but Cinderella Man, I I really enjoy as well. It's it's one of Ron Howard's um, best. They're both pretty solid i'll go cinderella man i'll go actually go bleed for this just so it's not a sweep um they're both good they're both just good and there's nothing like elevating about them i thought cinderella man was a little overhyped at the time and i thought bleed for this was a little unfairly dismissed at the time but fair enough um here's a comparison that has never been made ever Foxcatcher versus Bloodsport. <laughs> Bloodsport is in the van damme movie yeah i think so oh wow incredible um, I'll go with Bloodsport because I love me a, a goofy Van Damme movie. Foxcatcher is like an hour's worth of a good movie buried in a three-hour movie. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go Foxcatcher. And I, I, I was okay with the film. I know people, a lot of people enjoyed it a lot more than I did. Um, but Van Damme movies, they pretty much are all one movie besides Time Cop. Every, every other one is, <laughs> I don't recall. Uh, I will take sudden death, thank you. Um, die hard, but just with Van Damme and it's hockey. Um, I'll go Foxcatcher. Uh, Foxcatcher is great. And finally, Prefontaine or Without Limits. I don't think I've heard of either of these movies, so I abstain. Yeah. Hold Steve? on, I'm, I'm looking up Without Limits. I, I didn't see Prefontaine. That's uh, they're they're both running movies. I think you can gather. That's isn't that is that Leto? Prefontaine. I believe it's the Leto one. Yeah. Uh, um, Without Limits is um, Billy Crudup play. They're both play. They're both Prefontaine movies. Oh, then I I didn't see it. I'm, I avoid most running <laughs> running movies. Yeah. Sorry. Um, they're both thoroughly. I'll I'll say tie because neither of you saw it, so we'll just move on. Um, yeah, th- th- you're looking at 1998 running movie. Yeah, I. That wasn't happening. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Kfley208 also asks, and thank you for the double questions, Kfley. What are your top five performances given in all of PTA's filmography, which will lead us into Licorice Pizza? Oh, man, that's a good one. Oh, somebody else go first. I'm going to have to think about this. Yeah, I'm going to th- think about it as well. Let's, all pa- right. let's pause um, for a moment. No, I mean, I can, I can vamp while we do this. Um, I will say that my top five will a thousand percent have Tom Cruise from Magnolia. That one is happening. Um, I will say Burt Reynolds and Boogie Nights. 
two. Um, this is not in any order. I'm just coming up with two. Um, I will say Julianne Moore in one of those two films. I haven't decided yet. Um, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love and Joaquin Phoenix in The Master. There's my five. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with uh, Sandler. I'm, I don't have a. I'm not gonna put them in order. Sandler. No. no. Uh, Philip Baker Hall. Hard eight. I'll go hard eight. Yeah, I absolutely love him. Um, Daniel Day. Or you can go Magnolia. Or Magnolia. In both, but uh, but I'm gonna go hard eight. Daniel Day Mm -hmm. Lewis. There, there will be blood. And then, then I'd have to sit. I'd have to look a little. Oh, you know what, Heather, uh, Heather Graham. Mm, Roller girl. Yeah, Roller girl. All right. Miles Philip Seymour Hoffman hopes you pick him in one of his things. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that Philip Seymour Hoffman and Magnolia. There you go. I'm done. Okay. Uh, so I'll say so. Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood is literally my favorite performance I've ever seen in a movie. Um, so I put him. I definitely do Adam Sandler because that's my favorite performance of his is in Punch Drunk Love. Uh, Tom Cruise for Magnolia. Julianne Moore for Magnolia. And uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman for literally everything he did with PTA, uh, but specifically yeah. highlighting The Master, Punch Drunk Love, and Boogie Nights. And Magnolia, too. Mm-hmm. They're all good. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, I mean, that's the only one... one... You really need to have a list, and then like, it, I, it would have to be like a bracket where you break it down, because there's so many good performances. Well, but like, oh, also, no, I, could, I could easily like slot in like Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams from The Master in here. Yep. You could make an totally. argument for Josh Brolin and Inherent Vice. Like, Burt Reynolds, of course. Like... There, there's there's so much good stuff to choose from. Oh, Reynolds for sure. There's not um, one performance that anyone Reynolds, mentioned yeah. here that I would disagree with. So yeah, they can oh, all yeah. be on my and list. And I will say, as you will see soon, because Licorice Pizza comes out in a few days, Alana Haim is not far off my top five. She it is one of the best debut performances I've seen in a long time. Um, movie is great. Uh, we had a not really a question, more of a comment from. This is a good film. And they say, truly believe Licorice Pizza is taking picture, director, and screenplay. I've never seen a buzzier post-award screening in the UK. And for such a US-centric film, I, I will um, say no, that's not going to happen. But um, I do believe those nominations will probably happen. <clears throat> so let's talk about Licorice Pizza for a second. It's delightful. It is the most fun movie I think he's ever made. Um, you know, Boogie Nights is fun until there's a body count. <laughs> it's fun and until Punch it Drunk definitely Love is- isn't. Yeah, and Punch Drunk Love is fun, but in a, like, painful way. Like, <clears throat> this movie is so nostalgic for young love and the optimism and hope that comes with still being young. And it, it's so well done. It's it's long. <clears throat> it's too long. But he's meandering in a way he hasn't done in a long time, and it just was pleasurable to do that again with him. This is as close as you're going to get to the, him his, like, Scorsese-Altman days. You know, it's it's low on plot. There's a lot of, like, sidetracks and, like, people pop in and out. And there's a lot of, like, background stuff. Like, there is a cameo by John C. Riley playing Fred Gwynn that you will blink and miss, but is really funny. But it's just, like, in the background, in the way that, like, the camera would have floated in Boogie Nights and, like, a big scene at, like, the house. Very similar there. Um, Cooper Hoffman's fine. He's he's good. He's also, I think, like still learning the trade in a way. Alana Haim is phenomenal, though. 
He does a lot in that movie. Bradley Cooper is fun. He's wholly unnecessary to the movie, but he's so much fun you don't care. He may get nominated. He definitely won't win, so we could just forget about that. Um, Sean Penn is just as useless to the movie, but less fun. And uh, it's just so good, like in a way that the I don't know. It's it's hard to explain because it's not doing any one thing so exceedingly well, but it just it it it's the it's the version of a romantic comedy you wish you see more often. In the way that like the worst person in the world is the romantic comedy you don't get enough. They would make a really great double feature, just long arty but very enjoyable takes on a genre that is very easy to do poorly um it's not gonna win though i think it's it's still it's still too too just like a little out there with things and also it is about a relationship between a girl in her mid-20s and a boy who's 15 so you can certainly have an issue with that and not be wrong but so good i i i Whole, I sincerely hope everyone sees it next week so we can talk about it on the next episode, but we may have to wait another week. Yeah, with the holiday, I think it's going to be a bit tough to make that happen, but I, it's, it's, on my, it's probably the number one thing on my, on my must-see list right now. It, yeah. it fully lives up to the hype, but <clears throat> we will have to we'll put a pin in that, but that'll probably be the next one we can talk about in that way. I just don't want to like go overboard now and be less engaged when you guys see it. So just know... It's great, hovering around my top ten, because it is long, and it is sort of what you think it is. There's not a ton of surprises to be found, but there's a there's just a delight in it. Um, so I'm going to talk about the other films that I saw this week, and then we'll um, we'll actually we'll wrap up. So um, one that I believe Steve has seen is Tick, Tick, Boom? Yes. All right, so we'll talk about Tick, Tick, Boom quickly. Um, I'm lower on it than most people. I think Andrew Garfield is fantastic. I do think he'll probably be nominated. I think the movie is very generic like in its structure it's written by the same guy who wrote uh, Dear Evan Hansen so keep that in mind but the like passion that Lin-Manuel Miranda has for theater is very much there and that helps a lot but it's also very inside baseball um, you know how like most sports movies will kind of like put a hand out to you in case you don't know about the sport or about the players and kind of like give you enough that you don't need to know any more about it um, this movie does not do that if you are not a Broadway fan you will fully not know who 75% of the cast is. And it, it does nothing to help you with that. And it doesn't make the movie better or worse for doing it. It's just, it's an interesting choice. And it, it kept me a little bit at arm's length. But it's really about Andrew Garfield. And he's he's great. Um, Steve, you can you can take over for a second if you'd like. Yeah, well, there's things I appreciated about it. Uh, Garfield, for sure. Um, uh, Vanessa, uh, uh, what's her name, Hudgens? Hudson Hudgens is good. It's a small role. She's good. Yeah, good. she's good in that small role. I just thought everyone. I, I didn't honestly, know everyone's good going into it into the film, but I felt like I knew the story watching the film, and it's like there was nothing about yeah. it that felt like what's going to happen or how is this going to turn out. I'm like I kind of, and I didn't know anything about it, but I I felt like I did. I didn't even watch a trailer. Um, yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't. Like if you don't know anything about Jonathan Larson, you don't honestly learn too much more. Yeah, and it does kind of want you to go in already thinking he's a great man which is not a big deal but it is it's 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 hero worship and if you're he's not a hero to you it it takes a little longer i think for it to infect you with like the charm it's as opposed to if you love this man already and his musicals if you're a huge fan of rent you know you're gonna go in like i want to know these little bits about him like it's an effective film and it's a very crowd-pleasing film but it is 
targeting a very small segment of a crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, not a complaint, just an observation. It's a good film. It's not, it's, it's, I I already, I have recommended it to uh, family and friends who are, who I know it's going to work for. But otherwise, it's a Thanksgiving movie. You know, it's going to have, like you said, it's going to have its audience and they're going to love it. Everyone else will enjoy it. Garfield is undeniably good. Um, But yeah, he, It'll play good. It'll play very well over Thanksgiving break if people are putting on Netflix. Yeah, like at home, more so than like The Power of the Dog, which is a undisputedly better movie. I, I but, agree with you that. Know, um, the other two movies that I saw that we'll close up on, um, one is being The Ricardos. So um, that is the movie that I think had a very interesting like week and a half because last we spoke about it. Right when I was doing the episode right before Miles' wedding, the, the knives were out for it very much. It was having like a not great week. You know, the trailer had sort of hid Nicole Kidman, and people were were pissed about Javier Bardem being in the movie, and just the the buzz was not good. I think we can all agree that, right? I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. Then the AFI screening happened, and everyone loved the fucking movie, right? <laughs> and. That was interesting. And then there's still the people who were, you know, upset about an aspect of the film, which we can talk about. Um, so I saw it. I think it's it's very, very good. Um, it's still um, Sorkin writing better than he directs, but that's probably just always going to be the case, you know, because he's a one of the best writers in the industry. And he is a very competent director. You know, like he, he what he does, he does well. But he's not trying to do anything too fancy. Um, Nicole Kidman, this may be my favorite performance of hers. She doesn't do Lucy from Live of Lucy almost at all. There's, it's a two hour and like ten minute movie, I think. There's, I think Sorkin clocked it at like three minutes worth of I Love Lucy in the movie. There's individual like seconds of her like envisioning the show. It's way more about her as the, the creative genius and, you know person who wasn't getting the credit she deserved and and honestly everyone not getting the credit they deserved in that world for one reason or another she's great phenomenal javier bardem is very good um if you can't get over the fact that he's not cuban i can't tell you you're wrong um all i can all i can respond is that i it didn't offend me i'm not supposed to be offended and sorkin's explanation about it has been fairly satisfactory to me like the people that they were hired to tell him whether this was okay or not signed off on it his uh, lucy and desi's child has signed off on it so i can't i can't do much about that um i will say that nina arianda and jk simmons walk away with their scenes they are so much fun um they they both deserve to be nominated i'm pretty sure nicole kimmon will be nominated and it's just it's an entertaining like sorkin doing old hollywood it's it's I think its ambitions are a little smaller than people are thinking, but it's doing its thing very very well. It is uh, right around my top ten. Also, it's honestly like that and Licorice Pizza are, are pretty closely um, like tied in. They're 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 fantastic. Um, so any any questions or thoughts before we get to the last movie, which I think you guys will be even more fascinated with? Uh, I just want to say everything you've said has. Uh kind of changed my stance on or how i feel about that film because going in i was one i saw the poster and i in the trailer and i was like like where's lucy and what's this going to be but i don't i didn't i'm glad it's not a film where they're putting doing impersonations and it's more about 
the story of these people because that, to me that's yeah. much more interesting. I don't care about can you pretend you're somebody for an hour. I want to I want to walk away feeling like, like I've learned something about them, and this sounds like that's what it's going to be. So if you would if you would if this had been a movie about a sitcom from the 30s that no one had seen, no one would have this issue because you just don't know. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know the show. You wouldn't know what the actress looked or sounded like. You would be fine. Or, like, if they had made this movie in 30 years, like, a full generation removed, like, 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 Steve, do your kids watch I Love Lucy? Uh, maybe a little bit, but not too much. But the, not as yeah. a, not as a cultural not, touchstone, right? Yeah. And it's probably a safe bet that their kids will probably not watch it, right? It just won't be on. Like, it was on Nick at Night when I was growing up, so you saw it. It was, like, after dinner, if you were having ice cream before bed, like, that's what was you were watching. You were watching... You know, I Love Lucy or Bewitched or I Dream of Jeannie. Like, you were still watching the things your parents grew up watching. So it's still, you know, in our minds. So I think looking at it as Nicole Kim is playing the actress Lucille Ball, but as a character, it is it, it wildly successful. And when she does do the voice, spot on. Like, when she gets into the higher-pitched, like, Lucille Ball playing Lucy Ricardo or in several movies where she had that voice, um, very good. But also just leans into the fact that like people we don't know because we weren't really paying attention like lucille ball was like was was sexy and like powerful it's like she wasn't a goofball uh it does a very good job i i just i'm very eager to talk about it more it'll be on prime next month um and in theaters so that'll be that'll be fun and then just one quick comment one mm -hmm. one thing that you made me think of is uh i do one reason I Love Lucy has come up, and I know they've watched it, is because I show them episodes because I watch the shows they're watching with them at times. And I go, hey, oh, they're, they're stealing that. Yeah, that's a complete ripoff of I Love Lucy. I'm like, what is that? So yeah. we have visited it, and um, which just shows how good the comedy was and how, uh, you know, it, it, it not just... It didn't. It wasn't a trend. It was, they're not copying an act. They're copying because it's comedy gold, and uh, those performances oh, yeah. on the screen are great. And I, I really look forward to seeing it. So, one thing I, I want. I think Miles might like this aspect of it. There's a lot of. So it takes place over a week, of them planning an episode. You know, one day is the table read, one day is the blocking, all that, and it's how much she micromanaged it because it was well, it's on me. If it's not perfect, I'm the only one people are going to complain about, and just the little tinkers that happen to make it better are, are so well realized that it's, I think it's everything I, I think a lot of people hoped that like Studio 60 would have been at the time. Like, oh, Aaron Sorkin just like taking apart SNL and showing you what makes it tick and it never quite was that. This very much is like, this is what a TV set is like, especially back then. It's just, it's very well done. And even the, the smaller supporting players, you get Tony Hale, uh, Elias Shawkat, um, uh, Jake Lacey, like there's, it's, it's so good. It's very, very good. All right. So do you want to talk about Encanto? I shall talk about it. Um, do it up. Yeah, I went in, again, I, I, I try to avoid trailers as much as I can now. So I went in knowing very little, and I it pulls you in immediately. Uh, it's a very original tale, and a very original, and I put, using air quotes right now, Disney Princess, because honestly, it's one of those things, being a father of, of two girls, I think the Disney Princess stuff, just doesn't work for me anymore because um you know it's great they like is they're little they like to dress up and that's fine but as they've grown older they've grown into they have so many more interests and and uh and things that are valuable besides just prancing around in a dress and, and being you know being wonderful and this 
film celebrates that, which is fantastic. And the work of uh, a Stephanie Beatriz as Mirabel is uh, A plus. And I believe, and in my opinion, she should be considered for an Oscar nod uh, for her work here. I know it's not going to happen. They don't give voice work Oscar nods. It's a shame. But, and honestly, really, shouldn't the Academy at this point be uh, have that as a separate category at, at the very least? But that's another story. Um, yeah, the, the music is good. Uh, it's not as good as other films. It's not as catchy. It's very exposition heavy at times, which I think drags it down. So you, you really can't sing along because there's a lot going on. But it does help tell the story. And um, I really, my favorite moments were these moments with the sisters. There's three sisters who are, I don't, I don't know, if you don't know the story at all, it's about a family who's lives in a magical house and they're all blessed with these superpowers except for one, Mirabelle, played by uh, Beatrice. And the chemistry between them is is spot on and I, I could have watched a lot more of that. There are a lot of different characters. It's great to see the, this representation of a family that's never been seen uh, in a Disney film. And I know families like this, so I've already heard from them saying, it's oh, wow, it's, you know, this is my family, which is fantastic. I absolutely love to hear that. And um, But it's also great that it's not a film about that. It's just a film with these people in it. So you can enjoy it and not feel like, you know... Goose, they don't. Stop. Every story, every film doesn't need to be the most important film uh-huh. ever. It can be important in different ways, and I think this accomplishes that. By showing, you know, when my daughter saw it, she loved it. She's uh, seen a, a much bigger world than I did as growing up. And I think for people who haven't, this will be a good wake-up call to say, hey, guess what? There are stories of different people that you and you should maybe go out and explore it if you're not going to leave your uh leave your town at least go out to the cinema and and check these things out but uh i think it works really well i really i really had a good time during it is it perfect no i think the last quarter i don't want to get into it too much i have some issues with it but i think most people will look past that uh, but all the moments that are about mirabelle and they focus on her um are highly recommended and my daughter loved it, so uh, that's a, another gold star. And there you go. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I was going to see it, and then I had uh, was invited to be in the Ricardo's, so I will catch up to it soon. All right. The last one we're going to talk about was uh, one that came about. It's one of the last films to screen. I was uh, supposedly the first New York audience to see it. Second audience, I think, at all, because L.A. did A Night Before. And that is Don't Look Up. Oh, boy. Okay. So, uh, very interesting in that um, the way this was responded to. So, we we sit down. There's not a ton of us at, at the screening. And uh, it plays. We watch it. One person next to me does not care for it in the slightest. Um, actually turned to me and said, here's your Razzie winner when it ended. Um, the rest of the crowd seemed solid on it but like not like saying anything particularly like wild about it i thought i was the one who was probably the highest on it out of the screening where i was like it's it's pretty funny it it's you know pretty effective in what it's doing i don't think it's an awards player i think it's much more like netflix's version of a big like end of the year comedy like big meant to make money type thing um and i it seemed like they had agreed with me in talking to some netflix reps and then the L.A. screening broke when the embargo broke, and they loved it and all thought it was getting Oscar nominations. So what the fuck do I know, apparently? Um, not going to say that had anything to do with DiCaprio and Meryl Streep and Jennifer Lawrence and everyone being at that screening, but, you know, 
Who's to say? Um, it's long. It's over two hours long. It is very funny. It is. Um, it's most interesting when you think about the fact that I know. I don't know about you guys how you think about it, but when I first was aware of it and had uh, read the script like a year ago, I, I was thinking COVID. Right? That it's a COVID metaphor. Yes. No. Maybe. That that was my original impression. Yeah. He wrote it like two years ago about climate change. Well, yeah. I mean, it's one of those situations yeah. where it can. It's kind of a one size fits all in terms of how people, or in, especially people in power, deal with sort of these major catastrophes. Yeah, there's, there's. So here's the thing. I think the cast is pretty good. I think um, Mark Rylance, Rock Rylance, is very funny, playing like this just caricature of a Steve Jobs um, pick your poison. It's supposed to be more of like if if Apple was Amazon. Or like if Amazon did Apple phones type thing. That kind of guy. Like a Bezos meets Jobs, but kind of worse person. Meryl Streep is not... He's, she's not playing Trump Neo as much as you think she is. Um, she's pretty good in it. I wanted more. And there are times where she's just kind of like there as opposed to being like a comedy centerpiece. Jennifer Lawrence is good. She's the only competent one at, at most times. And then it's just like, why won't you listen to me? So no one listens there. DiCaprio is actually very funny as a just like neurotic is always about to have a panic attack guy. It works way better than you would think. Um, and everyone's it's solid. It's just, I, I do wonder what people are going to think of it. I think the the whole concept of half of the country is going to get the entire world killed is going to obviously not play well to about 45% of the country. But I also don't know necessarily how many of them were watching the Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence Netflix movie to begin with. Um, so I, I, don't, I still don't know about its awards prospects. I think DiCaprio is probably going to get nominated because he is DiCaprio and he's doing a comedy and he's playing an everyman, all that, all that stuff. Um, there is a song... That's very funny that I think you get in. Everything else just sort of depends. I think I think Netflix is a little surprised by how well the response has been, considering how much people hated that clip that was online, which is not anything like what the film has. That score is not there. The Nicholas Patel score is great. The um, scene is longer, obviously, in context, and the editing and cinematography make a lot more sense in context. Like, it's always that style as opposed to just that clip. Okay, well... Yeah, I mean, yeah. the early reaction that I've heard, and especially after what you just said, definitely a lot more positive than what I was expecting. I was definitely one of those people who saw that clip and thought, oh, this is like a mess, even by the standards of someone who didn't care too much for Vice. Um, so I'm glad. I mean, I love the concept and I love the cast. So even if it's not an awards player, I'm glad to hear that it's at least yeah. works for what it's trying to do. He's not going back to Step Brothers and Anchorman. Like, that will never happen. But this is as close as I think you're going to get to him making, like, I want to make a comedy. He's still angry and, like, trying to yell at you people that, like, you're going to – the world is going to end because of you. But he's trying to do it in a funny way. And it's not – I don't think people will feel like he's talking down to them quite as much as I was worried about. Like, Vice, I feel like he's talking down to you a little bit. I like that movie a lot. But I do feel like he's very clearly saying he's the smartest man in the room there. And how do you guys not understand what I'm talking about? In a way that worked, I think, better with the big short for people. But this one is is more uh, – it's a lot more – it's 
I think you can digest the concept better of like, we just went through a thing where like there was a very easy solution and we just didn't follow it. And look what happened. Hey, here's a question. That clip that everyone saw and went apeshit over, which I didn't mind so much, is that in the film as is, or is that has that been cleaned up, or what's the deal? It is It is similar, but not the same. One, the Nicholas Patel score is complete, which is good. That was a temp score. Um, that scene is there. It's just part of a longer, like, they go into the Oval Office to explain what's happening. <clears throat> and you slowly are realizing that, like, Jonah Hill's chief of staff, who's her son, is basically, like, Jared meets Eric meets Don Jr. Like just a complete dope. And she's like, well, what do I, what do I care about this? Like, why do I care? It's, it's, it plays very real to what we sort of fear happened in real life. But yeah, the, the, the close editing is very much there because it's, it's supposed to be this growing sense of dread that they both have of like, wait, they're not just going to listen to us and like send a nuke up there and handle this. Um, <clears throat> the the bigger satirical elements may be more hit or miss. There's a lot of lines that are just very on the nose, but they're funny is the thing. I just don't think they're necessarily more. Um, someone else, I, I, had, I had tweeted something in my Facebook post with a little, a little longer because of the you know limits and characters, but I think he's reaching for something that he doesn't quite get to. I think he wants to make Doctor Strange love. Everyone does. He's, he's not doing Doctor Strange love. Yeah, he, he's trying to do that. He's making um, closer to like a wag the dog, if that makes sense. Like efficient in what is doing, effective, but you can see that I think his dream was like this thing, and it's he's not quite there. It always feels like the movie's about to get into another gear, really up until th- in the last five minutes. I think even then you're like, okay, there's there's this other thing that's about to drop, and it and it doesn't quite happen. Um, another person who does this, um, Roger Friedman was at the screening and he had tweeted, he was like, exactly like that's, it's just like wanting to get there, but doesn't do it. It's like, I don't know. There's just like, there's another story on the house, but they just never finished construction on it. That's, I think just what keeps it from being, oh, this is your big comedy nominee at the Oscars. Now, if it gets nominated, sure. And like, I would almost be thrilled in a way that like is that what the 10 is going to do for us you know like i i that's a, a conversation for when we start to know the precursors a little better but once we get beyond the the handful of movies that we're pretty sure are in like what will the mandatory 10 lead to this year will it lead to more along the lines of the biggest things possible will it make room for the matrix will it make room for you know this would, would it have made room for eternals if it was good or is it just been more beneficial to, you know, Spencer and like in a world where like Pig could compete? Who's to say? We'll see. I think it, I think the release date is it's is, a, is an enemy to it. And they, I think I told them that at the time. Like, and I, and I don't know. I mean, I honestly can't tell you like who agrees or who doesn't. But whatever. Um, if this had come out in the summer, I think people would have much had a much clearer view of like, oh, this is meant to be big entertainment with just like a pitch black comedy edge to it as opposed to this is a, an Oscar hopeful that also is trying to do that I think when you you do that the knives come out like that's where you that kind clip of you kind of so trying much. to force it into that into that uh, category I mean it's like hey my guess we are is, Oscar even though you, yeah. you don't have that organic like man that was so good it should be up for an Oscar it's like hey, yeah, this no, is I'm, an Oscar I'm, film and you better like it that much I'm making an educated speculation here but 
I feel like the people who are do the actual campaigning at Netflix are invested in the power of the dog, right? And trying to get that to win. And then the offshoots of that, you know, there's there's segments who really want to try to get passing nominated. And that's where that 10 comes into play for our smaller films. Or The Lost Daughter, like that's, or Tick, Tick, Boom, like that's more of their babies. And the idea of like, oh, Don't Look Up is another thing. It's kind of like hoisted on them as, oh, well, okay, we have to campaign this too. Um, and maybe that's Adam McKay, like, you know, signing on for Netflix was uh, this gets an awards push, you know, even though there's always a December comedy historically, like a giant December comedy. They're not always good, mind you, but there usually is a like at Christmas, your options are two or three awards movies, some kind of blockbuster type thing, and usually a comedy. And I guess Spider-Man and Matrix are our blockbusters, right? Our Christmassy type blockbusters. Yeah. And maybe this is this was always like meant to be that. So, so what, we'll one more question. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Oscars aside, uh, how do you think this is going to play? Are people going to watch this? Is it? Do you think the general audience is going to, you know, be going to gravitate toward this and there'll be good word of mouth, or is this going to be one of those more divisive films? Uh, in between, I think initially. People will watch it because it's DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry and Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep and Mark Ryland. The list goes on. Like, everybody's in this movie. Uh, but I do think, like I said, the people who have a political bent will not be happy. Um, and then I think the people who want just a straight comedy will be a little puzzled by it. And I think the people who want a disaster movie will find it too silly. Like... It, I think it's it doesn't have a sweet spot of an audience, but that may actually benefit in the long run because it's not just trying to do one thing. I think it'll find its crowd, but I think had it been a whoever releasing it in theaters, I think it would have had a very big opening weekend, and I think it would have dropped heavily the second week. Because once you see it, if you're a fan of those people, you're not necessarily like, I gotta go see it again because my girl's in it. You're like, okay, that was that was weird, especially if you're used to The Hunger Games or you want to watch DiCaprio in, in less challenging fare, per se. Even though I don't know what his box office pull truthfully is because he works with such big filmmakers anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what the the wider critical consensus is. The the New York LA Awards contingent, we seem to almost, almost exclusively like it. Maybe not to the degree... I maybe you know that LA did but I liked it quite a bit um like I said one person didn't care for it in my group I think the next wave when it skirts out to wider audiences will probably be a little less kind but we will we will see time will tell yeah all right so let's uh let's put a pin in all this and next week we'll talk more about what we've uh what we've seen we'll be full from turkey and tryptophan and We'll have a, maybe a better sense of what's what's coming, and we'll be recording the next podcast literally, um, I would say, a day. Well, actually, so here's the thing. Well, if you guys want to be privy to a little inside baseball, um, podcasts come out on Thursday. You're listening to this one on Wednesday because of the holiday. Next Thursday, the second, will be when the next episode is. Wednesday the 1st, I'm seeing Nightmare Alley, so I don't think we can record that night, so we'll have to wait a week for Nightmare Alley. However, if we record on, hypothetically, a Monday or a Tuesday, I can talk about West Side Story, 
put that in there as a tease into the world. So stay tuned there. Um, in the meantime, stay where you can be followed and, uh, hmm. Anything. Give me whatever you want with it. I don't have, I don't have a thing off the top of my head. I'm hungry. <laughs> I hate it when you do this. Uh, you can, I, know. I, I, I tried to think of one for you. I appreciate it. Um, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula, both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Um, I don't know. Uh, I saw King Richard and Ghostbusters like back to back. I like to do those mismatched double features and it's always, it's always interesting to see two movies that have absolutely nothing to do with each other, but y- you occasionally find like a little connective tissue. Like there are two alumni oh. from uh, Ford V Ferrari in each movie. Something That's like that. That's very true. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. Oh, also the next um, episode, depending on, well, no, it'll have to be when we record, uh, will be my last one from Florida. And then the after next week, the next time you hear me, I will be in New Mexico. So that's pretty exciting. Indeed. Um, also, um, I guess next week we'll depending on if you guys get to it, we can talk about Gucci more. Yeah, I'll probably get around to it, Isn't and it? I'll try to have seen Tick Tick Boom as well. Awesome. Excellent. Cool, Steve. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Film Snork. You can also listen to my podcast, The Verse. Uh, where we're covering a whole bunch of fun stuff. We revisited. Filled in some blind spots for our our, uh, our host who haven't seen any of the Star Wars films. We're now doing The Phantom Menace, and we just did Lord of the Rings. Uh, so it's really interesting to see, hear about those films 20, 30, 20 years later, I guess, uh, from a perspective of somebody fresh to them who's uh, actually pretty much knows absolutely nothing about them. So we also get their takes on what they, they're predicting going forward in these series. Um, I would, here's my, what I would like to say, go out and look at our reviews on the site and take a look at some of the smaller films that you never heard of this year, because end of the year, we're going to hear about all the films and it's going to get narrowed down, but there've been some great films, uh, pig, which I'd love to see, uh, actually show up and be a player nine days. I really enjoyed riders of justice is another one. Uh, the killing of two lovers, all films that will probably get lost in the uh in the stampede of of oscar films but are all very much worth your while and riders of justice i just heard they and, and i'm sad to hear it i just heard that they have decided to do an english remake of it english mm-hmm. language remake and i'm like oh, what a shame just watch the damn film it's great well, as and is and you not can only read. that from the uh from the director of free guy so get ready for somebody to miss the point entirely oh geez go go back take a look at our reviews on the site there's a lot of great stuff out there. You'll you'll get to all the the big names because they're worth it as well. But don't let you know years pass and then you'll you'll find these great films later on and go shit. No one told me about it. You know what? Awards Radar did. We'll cover the uh, we'll cover your Oscar uh, winner potentials or potential winners. We'll also cover those little films because they're worth your while. And a lot of times those filmmakers show up later years later to be the awards nominees. So uh, totally catch well on now. That's all. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, you can find me at Joey Magazine on all the social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, Snapchat, though I don't really use it. Um, Awards Radar is on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, 
it's it's getting to be time to start revisiting more things. So I will start doubling back after I basically see those four things I mentioned earlier. Um, so stay tuned. If I fill in a blind spot, I'll let you know, or more likely if I revisit things and start to rethink them in any way. So um, sit tight there for now. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed all of the talk about the newest films. And we will be back next week talking about more of them. So stay tuned, and uh, we will see you at the movies, everyone. Bye, y'all. Good night. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>